Hello and welcome to the UC Architects. This is episode 43, recorded Sunday, September 21st, 2014. I'm your host, Link MVP Pat Richard. Today's show, we're going to be talking, as ever, about what's hot in the Microsoft UC world and bringing you this week's latest news. But first, we need to pay the bills. This UC Architects episode is sponsored by Instant Technologies, experts in enterprise click-to-chat and e-discovery solutions. Instant Technology in- uh, announces Instant Chime for Microsoft Link. Transform your service desk with Chime and move your support operations from endangered species to wise enterprise. Start your Chime Chime trial at adchime.com and join the conversation on Twitter via at Team Instant. And this UC Architects episode is also sponsored by eNow. eNow is offering all UC Architects listeners a free $50 Amazon gift card when you install Mailscape for Exchange or Uniscope for Link. eNow's award-winning dashboard helps admins quickly and effectively monitor servers and create custom reports. Try Mailscape or Uniscope's free 21-day trial, get a $50 gift card, and see how eNow makes admin life simplified. Simply visit the link in the blog post to sign up. And today I'm joined by co-host Johan Veldis, Michelle DeRoy, Andrew Price, and Sirkan Veraglu. And uh, first up, exchange topic. The uh, Connections Conference was last week, and uh, our own uh, Michelle DeRoy was there. Uh, Michelle, uh, what happened? You live to tell about it. Um, well, it was my, my first Connections uh, Conference. Um, it was also returning to Las Vegas after quite some years, so it was uh, very interesting. And the, well, the, the community feel and the contents presented was yeah very, very good. I must say, uh, feeling like feel like coming home, so to speak, uh, because you know most of the people there already, and the level of the sessions was also above Tehet, if I may say, up to Mac level. Um, yeah, there were lots of MVPs and MCMs uh, presenting the sessions, as well as some Microsofties uh, like Tim McMichael and uh, Wes Blalock. Uh, Craig Taylor was also present, but he wasn't have, uh, presenting a session. And yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, overall uh, feedback on the product because um, we talked shortly about CU6 and the issues uh, with recent collective updates was also heard throughout the, uh, the people attendi- attending sessions. Uh, and yeah, there was certainly worry about where this leads to if nothing is done about the uh, quality assurance of next updates because it really worries people and that's about it yeah and of course you know the <laughs> you know microsoft comes back all the time and says you know don't forget to test this stuff in your lab um which isn't always possible organizations don't always have the resources to test that stuff in labs but i i'm glad that you know it was brought up in a public forum and that you know they can understand the the frustration by by people. Next up, protecting against rogue administrators. So, Sirkan, uh, you were looking into this. What's going on? Do we need to be afraid of uh, rogue administrators? Uh, actually, we kind of do. Uh, Ross Smith for wrote this great article about rogue administrators and how we can protect ourselves against these uh, harmful things that they can do or we can do, if we are the rogue administrator himself. Uh, he described all the precautions that we can take, and these include like uh, Active Directory permissions, how you can uh, set up least privileged administrator model for AD, and 
for the PowerShell part, he also gives a great description on how to secure it, how you can actually protect protect yourself and he gives examples uh, of creating a proper RBAC uh, role-based access control uh, setup and also one of the major things that he mentions in there is removing the destructive commentlets and not giving it to every administrator except the ones that will actually use it so one of the things that I found interesting in this one is I didn't see any information about uh, mailbox audit bypass association uh, if you are familiar with the security settings uh, of exchange and mailbox auditing especially admin auditing logs there is a setting for uh, bypassing the associations which is mailbox audits bypass association if you give it to a certain account a computer account or a user account everything that you do with that account will not get logged in the admin logs admin audit logs so I just wanted to add that information to that article uh, so in, in your environment if you did set up any account for example like a service account that keeps running uh, certain tasks and you configured it not to be logged be careful about that account and do not give the password away for that account because it's not getting logged uh, it's a great article for the security side of things and this is a common problem in most of the environments uh, a lot of companies are investing uh, money on security tools logging tools and getting the right information but the most important critical part is actually setting up your AD permissions and exchange permissions properly before you can start even thinking about using any other uh, security products okay interesting I hadn't heard about that uh, that setting to bypass logging before that could be interesting if it was exploited oh it is I mean I've seen that happening before I don't want to give details, but be careful about it because, you know, admin audit log is actually kept for a certain period of time, right? So by default, it's like, I don't remember the default time, but is it 30 days or 90 days? I'm not sure about that. But if you make that change and wait 90 days, then you are free to go, kind of, which is a scary thing. Another thing is if you are using... Uh, PowerShell again like impersonation rights for AWS is another critical security problem you need to make sure that impersonation rights if given needs to be taken back uh, if it's not needed and it needs to get properly logged as you know with AWS if you can impersonate a user that is a huge that can be a huge problem in your environment so there are a lot of things uh, that you need to watch out actually once you t start thinking about how to secure your environment against these rogue administrators yeah interesting all right well next up michelle what's with all these bugs and everything hybrid eac exchange 2007 in place hold issues um CU6, OWA, Chrome, CRM, Office 365, what's going on with this? The world is falling apart. Well, the world was mostly was falling apart uh, just after the release of CU6. Um, several bugs were uh, disclosed and 
Yeah, for some of them, uh, uh, interim updates have been released, uh, such as the issue with the hybrid configuration widget, which could not be finished, uh, completed successfully. Uh, there was an issue in coexistence with Exchange 2007, uh, where databases would, uh, on Exchange 2030, would fail over when accessing a mailbox on Exchange 2007. And there was an issue with Exchange ActiveSync uh, proxying. Um, there were fixes uh, released for those uh, issues. Uh, we shall mention them in the, uh, the notes. Um, there was also a bug with the uh, tension hold where users using Outlook Web Access could uh, delete folders from uh, mailboxes when. Uh, they had access to it uh, through delegation, and yeah, that bypassed the whole idea of uh, in-place hold. There's an IE release for that, which is 2997847. Um, there's also an issue uh, at the moment with uh, Chrome, and I believe also with, uh, what is it called, Dynamics or CM. Yeah, it's called yeah. CRM, so it's yeah. involved affecting change CRM in Office 365. Yeah, and s some dialogues uh, are uh, inaccessible or not working as uh, as designed and making uh, the interface useless. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there's one of the DMCMs. It's a uh, Brian Reed who uh, posted a blog about it, how to fix the issue uh, using a GPO. So we will add a link to the to the, uh, to the sites to the episode, so you can look for yourself how to work around this issue until a fix has been released. A quick question on that, but that is caused by Chrome, right? It's not caused by Exchange because it was ri running properly until Chrome did an update. Or am I wrong? Uh, yeah. So when you're looking at the GPO specifically, it's. Uh, Enabling an option which uh, allows the deprecated web platform features again, which is by default disabled. So hmm. it looks like they're they've removed some support for some web platforms that Microsoft is still using, but they think that that it's legacy or something or deprecated, and they they just disable it. So. Oh, my, my, my idea is also that it's a Chrome issue and not not an issue on the Microsoft side, but yeah, and, and I think the, the, the well, it's pretty hard to say. Probably both have to do something about it. Hmm. So, on this topic again, just a question. What do you guys think with all these bugs? Like, I personally heard from a few companies, especially after the bug that Michelle mentioned about litigation hold issues uh, that they kind of stepped back and started thinking about Office 365 again on the, uh, the because of these litigation hold problems because I know that they constantly use litigation hold uh, does it hurt how it seems like does it hurt the companies or have you guys heard anything from your clients or anyone are they happy? Upsets? <laughs> no, not as far as I've heard, but I can imagine that as it is not working as designed and uh, according to people uh, people's expectations, that yeah, 
um, some people might be holding off the the installation of. Uh, but then again, the, the issue has been around for some time. So yeah, that brings like the quality questions. So that's what oh, I was yeah. just wondering. Yeah, I, I would agree. As, as much as I like to, you know, grab an update as soon as it comes out and throw it on a box, it's uh, it's it's now to the point where you got to wait a couple days and see see what's going on, see if anybody's reporting problems, and, and there's you know there's a link update, um, that, you know that had a problem too. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I agree. We need Microsoft really needs to work on this because uh, they're not. They're not doing themselves any good by uh, having these issues. And next up, um, if you've ever had to go through a merger or acquisition, you know it can be somewhat uh, painful and complex and time-consuming. But uh, you know now we're starting to see where organizations that have tenants on Office 365 are emerging or acquiring other companies or whatever the case may be. And so now you know there's there's always questions about, well, how do you handle this? How do you merge uh, Office 365 tenants? And um, so, Johan, you uh, you took a look at this article by Steve, and uh, what would you think? Yeah, it's a really nice article. It uh, just gives a clear explanation how you should take care of these uh, situations. Well, Steve uses an example scenario where he used some fake, uh, fake companies. And it just explains step by step how you should proceed, which things you should take care of in these specific situations. And as you mentioned already, uh, more and more companies, uh, of, or the chance that, that companies who merge are both in Office 365 becomes bigger and bigger. So yeah, if you're in that kind of situation, I strongly encourage you to read this article because it really contains useful information. I will help you to merge uh, the tenants without breaking anything. Good. Uh, next up, uh, Sirkan, using PowerShell background jobs can help you speed up exchange tasks. So now you're now you're speaking to me. I'm all about automation. So uh, what have you got here? <laughs> I'm glad you're on call. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the, if you are managing exchange environments with a lot of recipients, right? Uh, sometimes reporting or getting the information can be really painful. For example, like if you have 15,000 users and you want to get the calendar permissions, that was the example that I gave there. Uh, it can be really painful because you have to go through each user, check their calendar, come out and report it kind of. Or it's the same if you want to change those things. Uh, the idea here is by the power of background jobs, you can actually divide it into certain number of jobs and run them simultaneously and get the same information. So, for example, if you have 10,000 mailboxes, you can divide that into a group of 10, which is 1,000 each, and you can run them simultaneously and get the information for all of them in a shorter and a faster way. The only problem with Exchange, it's not a problem, but it's uh, actually to keep the performance and your systems running is the throttling policy. By default, the throttling policy will ha uh, let you have 18 concurrent connections to the same server. So if you are using the same server to get the information, you can go up to 18 concurrent 
sessions and you can get the information. Uh, I've been using this for a long time in certain environments on my reporting tools and reporting tasks uh, that needs to run pretty fast sometimes and it's really helpful. That's what I tried to describe on the uh, blog post that I posted. Uh, I'm planning to put out a module to help others. So if anyone is interested in fast speeding up their these exchange tasks and if they are having problems with their uh, scripts they can contact us on our Facebook page uh, they can share their scripts and we can take a look and help them you know improve it maybe speed it up a bit so, so that's what, what all kind about of, what kind of reports um, can be done here you can do anything actually. The, the idea here is just using the utilizing the background tasks. Uh, it might be slow on certain things. I mean, you can get certain information pretty fast. But for example, let's say you want to get full mailbox uh, permissions, right? For each and every single mailbox that you have in your environment. And if you have 10,000 mailboxes, that means you have to go into a loop of checking every single one of them for the permissions. Uh, in order to speed it up, you can run 10 simultaneous jobs where you divide those mailboxes into 10 groups and going in and getting that information. That's just one of the examples. Another one can be if you are getting the SendDesk permissions directly from Exchange, not from AD, it can help and it can speed that information up as well. Uh, or you want to check all the recipients and report their SMTP addresses. If you want to get all the SMTP addresses in, in your environment, that can speed it up. Another thing you can do is, uh, we all know getting transaction logs is painful, right? So if you try to get 30 days of transaction logs from six uh, transport servers, that can be a pain. So what you can do is you can divide it into jobs for each day while you're running your script. So your script will actually do 10 days at a time at the same time uh, from six different servers if you can open up six different connections to other uh, servers as well. Uh, you can get the information pretty fast. The only thing you need to watch out is every single background job you open means CPU and memory. So just watch out how much CPU or memory you use locally. Uh, if you are running this on your Exchange server, which I wouldn't recommend running it locally on the server uh, for the background jobs because they can get they can really use uh, high CPU and memory. So I usually use remote PowerShell from my desktop and run concurrent jobs to get all the information. Uh, this is really useful if you have long scripts. To be honest, like it's not useful if you are just getting your mailboxes. I mean, get mailbox command is good enough, but once you get all the mailboxes and if you want to get other reports from those mailboxes, if you want to do background jobs, is a pretty powerful tool. Oh, good. Great information. I'm all about uh, making things quicker. And to be honest, you can use it with Link or any other environment as well. I use it with AD all the time. I use it with... Uh, getting information from servers through uh, WMI. Instead of going to a single server, I'm going to 50 servers at the same time because there is no limit there. 
Right, right, and that's uh, that's beneficial in the larger environments. Yeah. I know I've had uh, like some crossed forest migrations for Link, and you know, moving users over, and and um, you know, every day have a have a batch of users that are getting moved over, and uh, it can only process through uh, uh, the script when it's connected to one server so fast. So being able to kind of you know multitask those um, really helps. With PowerShell two because. 2010 exchange 2010 the start job command is kind of harder to use but with the help of PowerShell 3 and 4 and now 5 uh, it's really simple I mean the syntax is really simplified for the start job as well so right I'm sure it will be useful for everyone yeah all right good info and heading over to the uh, link topics for the week uh, first up a really cool script um, if you've got uh, SNOM phones deployed, you know that it can be um, uh, kind of a pain to deal with phones remotely. And this is really the case, not just with SNOM phones, but, but um, any of the LPE or 3PIP uh, type of phones. Um, but uh, Michael Lamontagne has come up with a really cool GUI-based script for dealing with SNOM phones. And it basically uh, brings up the the front panel of the SNOM phone right on your screen and you can control the phone remotely. So say you have a user on the other side of the world and you need to fix something on that phone. You bring up this script, you connect to that phone remotely and um, it, it's the buttons are laid out exactly like the, the SNOM phone is. So you have all of your, uh, um, your normal keypad, you've got your um, jog dial button and, and, and everything. So uh, it makes life a lot easier rather than trying to, um, you know, talk a user through it or, or even having to have a user there at, at the physical phone. Um, it makes life a lot easier. So uh, we'll definitely have a link to that on the, on the summary page. And um, kudos to Michael for coming up with uh, yet another cool tool for, for link. Next up. And I, I, mentioned this a little bit earlier about Microsoft removed an update because of a problem. So there was a uh, link vulnerability update that came out uh, in September and Microsoft had to remove it because there was a problem with it. And the problem was when you would go to install it, you would get an alert saying that the publisher uh, could not be trusted. And of course, um, any anytime you have a security update that says you can't trust who published it, um, there, there should be cause for concern. So Microsoft did pull this, although um, I was updating some servers earlier today and it showed up on Windows Update again. So I haven't had a chance to test it to see if the problem's gone away, but it appears like they have re-released it. Uh, next up, Andrew, um, Link Phone Edition Log Viewer. Have you played with this yet? This sounds like a cool uh, tool. I haven't played with it, but I did have a quick read of the article. I wish this script was invented about two years ago, because I actually created a blog post for it to actually get the logs off in another manner, the original fashion, but this script just makes life so much easier. So you can basically FTP the .cgl file straight off the phone and obviously start looking at the logs that way. Oh, cool. You know, there's uh, there's been some, uh, some talk lately, too, about um, log files, or not log files, but firmware files piling up on servers too and uh, definitely some room for improvement in managing both LPE devices and firmware um, so if you update firmware in your link environment install the latest firmware 
link does not get rid of the old firmware files. You, you obviously, um, if you've ever played around with it, you can roll back to a previous version um, of firmware, but the link server keeps every firmware file you've ever uploaded on the file share. And um, I looked at an environment the other day and it already had over 10 gigs of firmware files. And people have been reporting problems with uh, drives running out of space, especially small uh, uh, standard edition servers where the file share may be on the C drive and suddenly your 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 OS drive runs out of space. So um, good to see that um, somebody is is looking after how to manage some of these uh, these devices and LPE uh, uh, features. Uh, a little more, and I think we'll we'll see a script coming out for the firmware issue too. But hats off to uh, Andrew Morpeth who who wrote this uh, log viewer file. So yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, very cool. So and uh, speaking of uh, cool scripts for for dealing with phones, um, Yoav Barzilay came out with a script for provisioning a um, a Polycom VVX FTP server. So the VVX line, of course, is not uh, LPE devices, so they don't get their firmware like the the um, the old school um, LPE devices. Um, in order to push out, you know, firmware, you kind of need this FTP server deployed, um, and you know, it's always an a, an added uh, deployment task to provision one of these servers, plus you know the resources to do that. Well, Yoav has come up with a script that helps build that, that uh, FTP server and get it stood up so that you can uh, you know, more quickly uh, uh, get that going in your environment. So hats off to him. And, and just like the, um, the LPE log viewer script, we will have a, um, we'll have a link to that on the uh, summary page. Next up, um, Office Web App Servers. Um, we all know and love these, right? Um, oh, no. <laughs> I say that sarcastically because they, they're like the bane of my existence, I think. And, and, and one of the reasons why I automate it as much as I can in my prereq script. But um, So there's a, a parameter in an Office web app farm called farm OU. And what that is is um, you define an OU... And the farm will not allow any server to be added to the farm unless it exists in that OU. And if you look at the uh, set office web apps farm uh, commandlet, you can specify this farm OU. But the uh, the KB article does not mention the format in which you need to specify the OU. So the common convention um, is to specify a distinguished name. You know, OU equals server, comma, OU equals whatever. Um, and you get a really obscure error. And um, I talked to a bunch of people about this, and it seems to be that you have to define it via a canonical name and not a distinguished name. And nowhere is this documented anywhere. So it, it lots of people are running into this problem. So you have to define it as, you know, um, domain slash computers slash, you know, servers, OU, or whatever it's called. And then to complicate matters even worse, once you do have it set, um, and, and while it's setting, the farm will go through and verify that, that the OU exists and that the servers that are already in the farm are in that OU. Um, once, you, once you set it and you do a get Office Web Apps farm, 
the Farmo U is now displayed as a distinguished name, not a canonical name, which is how we had to define it. So it's awfully confusing. So um, it took took some time to, to get that squared away. But if you do need to set it, just remember you have to use a, a canonical name um, to the OU that the servers exist in. And who's had this problem? High CPU um, utilization after you uh, publish your link topology. Um, this has been gathering some steam as uh, I've seen a lot of people start to report this, that um, you have uh, uh, make a change to your topology, you publish the topology, and suddenly that machine just pegs the CPU at 100%. Um, Andrew, have you seen this at all? I haven't, no. <laughs> I caught you off guard there. Um, yeah, and, and what makes it worse is um, it'll peg the processors on all the front-end servers uh, in the pool. And, um, you know, Ken Lasko, um, one of the MVPs based in um, Canada, uh, blogged about this in January. And there's been some speculation back and forth about, um, you know, ways to, to kind of reduce this. You know, you can run... Um, uh, you know, they notice that it only happens on the, the pool that contains the CMS, um, or it only happens on the machine in which you publish it. But that really hasn't been nailed down yet. It seems to be that some people are, are reporting that it happens across all the servers in the pool. And one of the ways to kind of uh, fix this is to do an IIS reset. Um, of course, you know, that brings up its own issues in that you can interrupt um meeting attendees, uh, you know, content and things like that. But um, there are a couple of uh, good blog posts out on, on what to look for to see if you're having this problem and some ideas on, on how to fix it. Um, I've seen some conversations internally with Microsoft, and there still isn't a, uh, um, a foolproof uh, a way to kind of resolve this, and they are looking into it to help prevent it in the future. Also on uh, Ken's blog post as well, there is a – a couple of commands that he's tried, which has actually been suggested by one of his followers. Yeah, good. It's been a while since I read Ken's article. Yeah, definitely. His article has it details it perfectly, and I know that he's tried to stay on top of helping people around this. In fact, um, if I remember correctly, he opened up a, a PSS ticket that um, still has not been, you know, definitively closed. As they still, he still sees this issue sometimes too. So, no, no rhyme or reason that's been determined as to what. Uh, what environments this will happen in, but it seems to be that uh, once you have this problem, you'll have it every time you publish the topology. So hopefully there's a fix coming out for it, uh, a formal fix from Microsoft uh, soon. Next up, uh, Microsoft Office uh, update uh, for the Mac client. So 14.4.4 has been released. You know, the, the usual caveats apply. It's still the 2011 link client. Uh, there's really uh, not been a whole lot that's that's come out as fixes for this. Um, there's a little bit of uh, functionality uh, or stability um, fixes in this particular update, but we don't really see any new features or any issues uh, be, being resolved. You still can't use E911. Um, you still can't um, do location um uh, location policies or anything like that. So, uh, but the the update is out there. It came out a couple of weeks ago. 14.4.4. Our own John Cook uh, normally would probably go off uh, for a while about this and, and what it fixes. But I installed it on my MacBook. I still haven't seen really uh, any any big change. And uh, another 
uh, update while we're talking about them is uh, the client update for the mobile devices. Um, you now can get gallery view on your iPad uh, and the iPhone, actually all the iOS devices, um, the Android device uh, devices as well. You can also do um, admitting people from the lobby uh, from your mobile devices. So that's something that a lot of people have been asking for. You know, if you're a road warrior and um, you're leading a meeting and want to add or um, allow people into um, to your meeting from the lobby, you haven't been able to do that on mobile devices before. So um, that is now possible. And I had seen some people using a workaround where just, you know, setting the meeting so that anybody could get in uh, without hitting the lobby. And, of course, that's not always the best uh, the best method, especially if you have back-to-back meetings where you might have people stepping on, uh, stepping on other meetings. And, uh, Johan, uh, the full Windows client update, um, have you taken a look at that at all? Yeah, I have. So... And, uh, <laughs> And the reason I had, because I was on site with a customer who had some issues, uh, which were fixed in that specific update. And, uh, well, to be more clear, the uh, the issue with the customer experience was that the toast, which appears when you receive an incoming call, uh, was not containing the display name of the contact the user has, had created in his Outlook. When we dialed the second time, it appeared normally. So then I looked at some internal systems because, yeah, since I'm working for Microsoft, I do have access to some systems where I can see more than <laughs> well than, than all the other people can. So I can, can directly look in the, in the database for for support. And I found a similar issue, uh, which was reported by some other customers and talked to uh, to the engineering team, and they said, okay. This fix is uh, or this fix for this specific issue is fixed in September 2013 client update. Uh, so then the update went online and checked the release notes and it, it wasn't there. But I got confirmation from them that it was fixed. So if you've got an issue, if you are having issues with the toast which does not contain a display name, install the latest update and it should be fixed. If not. Let Microsoft know so they can can have a look at it why it isn't fixed in your specific scenario. Yeah, there's there's a couple other things too that got fixed in that. Um, yeah. That thing too, like there was a, a a desktop and app sharing issue um, that got fixed. Um, also, yeah, but I, I haven't seen that specific issue, but it, it looks like it's really in specific scenarios that you experience that issue. But yeah, that, that's with every issue which is being fixed. Some some people ask, okay, why is it fixed? I haven't seen that that specific issue, but uh, when you look at the release notes, it just contains the title, which issue has been fixed, but not the conditions in which the issue uh, will appear, because it really depends on well your scenario. It can be one parameter which is different in your case, and you won't see the issue. So right, right. There was I know there was an issue um, if you toggled. Um, a shared desktop screen from um, from normal size to full size and back. Um, sometimes the client would crash, um, and that that appears to have been resolved. Um, there's a couple of issues though that this um, particular update introduces. Unfortunately, um, one is uh, if you're in a pchat uh, room where uh, one of the users is external, like an external. U- external 
uh, organization user, not a federated contact, since we don't have federated um, access to PChat yet. Um, but an external user, if you try to do a file transfer uh, from an internal to an external user, that can fail. Um, and there's also an issue about screen readers that can't read some uh, some information that's on the screen. But other than that, um, uh, plenty of fixes. Um, of course, it's cumulative, so you you don't have to install every cumulative update in order to install uh, this one. You can just go straight to this one. It includes all previous updates. So check it out. We'll list the the KB article on the uh, the summary page. And while we're talking about updates, there is a uh, an update to the Link Room system, like a an LRS uh, cumulative update, and. Um, one of the things that this fixes is um, how information is displayed um, when a, a mobile user calls in and um, and that information not being in the address book, the LRS system now handles that a little bit better. Um, the loading message um, in the on the touch screen um, can sometimes can be seen by other people in the meeting and that's that's been done away with. Um, and the room uh, PC, I, uh, the room PC view icon uh, still being active um, if a machine is reset or a connection is lost. That issue has been resolved too. So, a um, couple couple of uh, noted uh, uh, fixes there. I know some people had some heartburn about the room, uh, room PC view uh, issue, and glad to see that that's fixed. So September's been a a pretty busy uh, uh, month for updates. And that ties us up for link content for this episode. Next up is uh, some events that we wanted to let you know about. Uh, the first is Tech at Australia, which is next month. Our own uh, Justin Morris will be speaking there, so uh, we'll get a link out to his um, uh, session information so you can stop by and, and listen to him uh, talk about uh, all things Link down in Australia. Uh, next up is um, Norwegian Link Day. We've talked about this before. A bunch of us, uh, Stale, myself, uh, Michael Van Hornbeek, I think, is going to be there. Um, Sirkin, you were thinking that you might be going and you're not going, or do we need to take a collection, hold out the coffee cup can? <laughs> I wish I can come. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, not this year. Okay. But, uh, I would love to be there anyway. But... Yep, Steve Goodman will be there. Tom Arbuthnot will be there. Uh, we will be recording a uh, an episode there. Um, after on the same day of the event, I think around dinner time. So stop by, say hi, and watch us record and uh, heckle us or, or whatever. So um, linkday.no is the site. So one day, a one day uh, conference, and uh, Stalway did did a fabulous job on a little video there. So if you go there, and uh, if you go to the website, check out Stalway's video. It uh, explains the whole thing. So. Love to see you there. And last is the UC Birmingham User Group. Um, Steve wanted us to uh, make sure that you knew that they have a meeting coming up, and uh, you can check out the details at ucbug.co.uk. So uh, if and you're in the... I'll be speaking then as well. What's that? I'll be speaking. I'll be oh. doing a, a link session. Excellent. Uh, Scum and the Link Watcher node. Oh, excellent, excellent. Always uh, a good topic. So, And the, the other speaker is going to be a Microsoft employee, John Mulder. He's going to be doing an Office 365 session. Okay, yeah, but that's Office 365. Scam stuff will be uh, more interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, all right, good. We'll stop by and, uh, and uh, throw things at Andrew while he's talking. Cool. <laughs> all right, and that Bring does it. Baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, take your your um, your very technical scam questions uh, uh, to to Andrew. See if you can trip him up. Um, and that pretty much does it for this episode of the UC Architects. Um, today, I want to thank everybody that stopped by: Johan, uh, Michelle, Andrew, uh, and Sirkan. And thanks to Andrew for uh, handling the editing chores. Uh, I don't envy the task with, uh, the task for this episode. This UC Architects episode is sponsored by Instant Technologies, experts in enterprise click-to-chat and e-discovery solutions. Instant Technology announces Instant Chime from Microsoft Link. Transform your service desk with Chime and move your support operations from endangered species to wise enterprise. Start your Chime trial at adchime.com and join the conversation on Twitter via at Team Instant. And this UC Architects episode is also sponsored by eNow. eNow is offering all UC Architects listeners a free $50 gift, Amazon gift card when you install Mailscape for Exchange or Uniscope for Link. eNow's award-winning dashboard helps admins quickly and effectively monitor servers and create custom reports. Try Mailscape or Uniscope's free 21-day trial, get a $50 gift card, and see how eNow makes admin life simplified. Simply visit the summary page for this episode for information. And finally, before we go, as ever, we want to remind you that the UC Architects are online. And if you're a fan of uh, Stitcher Radio, we are now on Stitcher. Um, you can uh, listen to our episodes online via your Stitcher account. So uh, we'll get a link to that on the summary page. Visit our website today at theucarchitects.com. Follow us on Twitter at theucarchitects. Be a friend and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theucarchitects. And join our LinkedIn group. If you haven't subscribed already, um, you can find us in the iTunes Store, the Zoom Marketplace, our Windows Phone 8.1 podcast app, or in your favorite RSS reader such as Outlook. See our website for links to everything on the show today. We'll see you back for the next episode with Steve Hosting.